Welcome to the Nightbird Radio Podcast. I'm Timothy Saylor, and I'm going to be your host this evening as we sound out the subconscious, navigate the nocturnal, and explore the farthest reaches of our experience. Coming at you from the back of an 86 Dodge Ram van on the rolling foothills of the Blue Ridge Mountains in the Great Forest, deep in the heart of the Kali Yuga. This is Radio for the Hauntological Turn. This episode of the Nightbird Radio Podcast was brought to you by Reverend Janglebones. If you'd like to support the show and hear your name or a cryptic message in lieu of your name read at the top of the next episode, head to nightbirdpodcast.com and navigate to the Support the Show page. Thank you so much for your generous support. It's what keeps the Archons out of this show. And remember to subscribe to this show wherever you listen to your podcasts and give me a five-star rating. That helps a lot. I'm also on Instagram at Nightbird Podcast, on YouTube at Nightbird Podcast, and on Telegram at t.me slash Nightbird Radio. And welcome back, Nightbirds. It's great to have you back, and it's great to be back. This week, I was joined by Dr. Joanna Kuyava. Joanna is a seeker, a scholar, a spiritual detective, and the author of The Other Goddess, Mary Magdalene and the Goddesses of Eros and Secret Knowledge. We talked about Mary Magdalene. The Virgin Mary is the patriarchal imagination of the feminine. The patriarchy is an archon. The feminine is conduit of sexual gnosis, being a witness, divine mind, and the goddess is connecting principle. We talked about the power of shifting perspective, the transmission of sacred wisdom through texts, kundalini awakening, sexual ecstasy and the spiritual power of sex, reincarnation, separation, the spell of forgetfulness and redemption through remembering, the Gnostic Sophia, walking as gods and goddesses upon the earth, and so much more. You're also about to hear me totally butcher Dr. Kuyava's name. But without further introduction, let's get to the conversation. Dr. Joanna Kujawa, welcome to the Nightbird Radio Podcast. How are you doing today? I am well, thank you. Thank you, Tim. I'm so glad to be here. Yeah, I'm glad to have you. <laughs> I was excited when you reached out to me because I've listened to you um, on a couple podcasts. And uh, like I was just telling you before we started hitting record, I've been reading your book. And um, so I'm really excited to get into it. Well, real quick, do you want to give the listeners just a little background about yourself and um, and what you write about? Um Mm. Wow, it is a big question. It's you know one know. of these questions. <laughs> Go for a job interview. Tell us something about yourself, and everybody is like, "Oh my god!" You know, this is like the worst I, question. You know, I actually but, hate that question. So um, you know, you can just say <laughs> no if you like. <laughs> oh, okay. So I would just say that um, uh, the story is really in the book, you know, in the other goddess. But basically, I was born in communist Poland, which was also very Catholic, which is a very strange place to be born. You know, now I live in Australia and I'm also Canadian citizen. So, you know, I travel a bit and, and I got interested in uh, now people will say that I write about the goddess, but I really was a very eager spiritual seeker. And now I call myself spiritual uh, detective. And I noticed on my journey that, you know, that there's lots of talk about the divine feminine and it's ap appropriate and important and it's kind of as aspirational and, you know, but it's very often quite new agey. 
And I, and I really, because I have a strong academic background, I have two postgraduate degrees, you know, and I have a PhD. And, you know, for people who don't know, you know, I also was studying at the Pontifical Institute, you know, which is like, you know, the Vatican thing. And so I was uh, uh, actually had no bad experiences there. The reason why I left being Catholic, because I was brought up as a Catholic, it was because the dogma didn't make sense to me. And I am a serious truth seeker. That's why, and I have no pretenses, you know, that I'm some priestess or something. I'm a spiritual detective and I seek truth. And I realized, you know, as I was doing, maybe I'll start at the beginning, you know, where my book actually starts. Because, you know, when I was a young girl and I used to go to church all the time, especially where I was born, you know, there are many beautiful churches, you know, Europe, right? And there was always, I was lucky because there was, I was exposed to the divine feminine because there's always the Virgin Mary is like the deity in Poland. You know, she's more important than anybody else. But I also noticed that it's kind of unrealistic. That is almost patriarchal imagination of a woman. And, and I just for your listeners, I would like to say when I speak of patriarchy, I'm not talking about some mad form of feminism. I'm just saying patriarchy is bad for everybody. It's the matrix. It's bad it's for women. It's an archon. Yeah, yeah. It's a, yeah, yeah. And it's bad. Patriarchy sends young men to war. You know how, how right. bad it can right. be. But it completely debilitated the feminine. You know, even if there was any symbol of a feminine that you could aspire to, it was just this weird mother virgin, you know, self-sacrificial and and completely asexual, you know. And and you feel like this is kind of weird, you know. You have this weird feeling, and I, I and I, I studied, you know, because I studied Christian theoretical philosophy and so on, and it didn't make any sense to me. And then, you know, in the in the same church, actually, as I say in the book, you know, I saw the image of Mary Magdalene which was basically portrayed as a prostitute and a harlot. And now we know it's not true. And I'm, I, I'm telling you as a serious researcher, it's not true. Like even the Catholic Church said that there's no scriptural evidence for this. And, you know, that she was somehow close to this great teacher. You know, this is how I like to call Jesus, this great teacher, maybe an avatar, you know. And, and then actually during my journey in the book, I discovered that she is probably a part of lineage of goddesses or priestesses that had a gift of higher consciousness for us. And they were always pushed into the sides in all religions. So it's not only Christianity, you know, like in all religions and, and demeaned, you know, and, and, and as prostitutes and harlots. So when I had a conversation with our common friend, Miguel Connell, Eon by Gnostic Radio, he said, Joanna, what's wrong with a prostitute? And I said, there is nothing wrong with a prostitute, but it is used as an insult, you know, to women that somehow claim that there is a power in sexuality as well. There is a wisdom in sexuality. So then it, you know, so, and then I got involved with Tantra and so on, but like a true esoteric Tantra, I was initiated and so on. And I had very deep experiences. And this is where, you know, the other goddess really talks about that. So I don't know if it's a good introduction. <laughs> no, it's, it's a great like introduction. Problem. Thank you so much. And thank you for, um, for humoring me with it. You know what I mean? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, um, yeah, I'm really interested in that um the idea that the the goddess and and also her priestesses, right? Because there is this um like if you read the Bible, I remember reading the Bible as a kid and being like they talk about the temple prostitutes. And only like later did I learn like well those were just priestesses and they just called them prostitutes because it just was a way of like a smear campaign, right? Like yes, exactly. and um so it's interesting to me that it happens on that archetypal level at the level of the goddess, but then it's also something that's happening actively in 
um, practice in history in in society. That's right. And, you know, and what actually bothers me, because some people say, what about the sacred prostitute? And I felt like this is already wrong. You know what I mean? Because they were not prostitutes. And in fact, yeah. there is a, there are esoteric traditions in all religions, but especially in Hinduism, in esoteric Tantra, you know, in Buddhism, in a completely different form, you know, that actually to use sexuality for awakening, you know, or for even for enlightenment. They are very, you know, ancient, ancient practices, which now I, through my research, discovered were actually started by like in mytholo- mythological times, so to speak, by some kind of goddesses, priestesses, you know, and, and we have names for them, you know, I write about it in the book. So the the whole thing is I started to become then conspiratorial, you know, going from like, it, okay. It will do that. <laughs> <laughs> you think like something is just really not There seems working. to be a concerted effort, right? I mean, I know there is a effort. And, you know, so I went from, this doesn't work for me, you know, the doctrine, Christian doctrine, because I just don't get it. Something is just so missing. But, you know, I gave it a good try. You know, I wasn't just oh, rebellious. I just really right. studied it. You know, I had like top scholarships and then I had to say, thank you. I cannot do it anymore. Right. Because it makes no sense to me. And I have to be true to myself and to my, you know, to my own spirituality. So, so I realized that you, you, you said it perfectly, Tim, that there, there was an orchestrated effort. You know, and I, and I'm not saying that it wasn't done to men. I'm just saying that with women, because I focus on that, you right. know, to actually demean women who are, you know what to say, would say barriers of like secret knowledge that had some erotic element to this, you know, to completely demean them. And that I found A, interesting, and B, I think they must have really been up to something with women, with priestesses, with goddesses, since, you know, for thousands of years, whoever they are, you know, up there, down there, you know, they don't want us to know about them or they want us to de- to think, oh, just some, you know, some, some temple prostitute, which is actually a ridiculous concept, right? Right. And um, so uh, it's interesting that you mentioned, um, like, not that it hasn't been done to men too, but I think that par- partially, and you get to this kind of in your book, um, is the fact that if you demean the women, you actually are harming the men. It's like, cause there's a connection there, right? So if you're cutting off that source where the goddess flows through, then you're cutting off everybody from that. And Absolutely. it's actually really diabolical because you can then kind of enlist the men to, to do this. And then they're the whole, it, it just sort of, um, it collapses from within, right? Yes. So that's, I uh, thank you for actually putting it so nicely because this is absolutely true. Because, uh, um, and maybe I'll talk a, a little bit later about the goddesses, but what you said, I think what we need is a strong masculine and we need a strong feminine. Because, you know, these are, these are these like mirror images of each other, you know, of different aspects. And you cannot have a balance and harmony in this, you know, beautiful universe otherwise, you know, and somebody is actually playing this, this kind of gender thing against us. This is what I would say. And, and, you know, there's this beautiful, actually, Dr. Celine Lilly, you know, was looking into the Gnostic texts, uh, the rape of Eve. 
And she was saying that at the end of this, you know, Adam and Eve, they both in the Gnostic version, you know, kind of decided that they are going to stand up together. And this is what we really need to do. Mm. So I believe that my job when I was looking at the different goddesses giving us, you know, this higher wisdom, and I'll talk about the imagery later if we have the time, you know, and mythology behind it. This is what we actually need. Not be, and, and I think that some people misunderstand it. They say like women are going to save the world and so on. And I really don't think so. I think we have to do it together. But what we have to do, we have to remind the feminine what it was meant to be, what was perhaps in some archetypes manifested in the archetypes of the priestesses and goddesses and some women, because I look into this in the book, some women who follow the archetype. And, you know, and this is the archetype that were diminished. So we need both. This is what I'm saying. And with the moment what we have, and it is not satisfactory for men or women, for an evolved masculine, let's say, right? Right. Uh, it's not satisfactory because what we have at the moment in majority, women are, you know, put into one category, like the divine mother, you know, it's a sacrificial, she's a mother of your children. And, you know, and then I'm sorry, because I talk about sexuality and then eventually you have no idea how many women or men, because I have many male friends, tell me, you know, I love her because she's a mother of my children, but, you know, actually I'm attracted to 10,000 other women. Because, you know, like it, this relationship based on just this holy mother, you know, it, it, it puts only pressure on it. It puts a lot of pressure yeah. on it. And like, yeah, that's it something puts that... pressure on it. And, and, and you have to be a particular way as a woman. And, and as a man, you can relate only in one way to, to, to this particular archetype because it's not a full archetype. Right. And another archetype feminine that is that, you know, is for centuries and centuries because of a suppression was, you know, the actually what I talk, talk about is the toxic feminine, which is basically the woman who had to learn how to manipulate to survive. And, you know, and I, and I think if we are honest about it, and I'm, a, you know, I believe that every spiritual seeker has to take responsibility. You take responsibility for your own growth. So this is what I also tell women. Yes, claim your divine feminine because, and as the, you know, but, you know, you have to look, you know, at yourself also, you know, like you don't, you cannot follow actually what, and I know I upset lots of people here, what you maybe grandmothers necessarily did and ancestral thing because they, they had no choices. My grandmother had no choices. You know, she was born in Poland. She were, she lived through three wars. You know, she, she had no control over how many children she had, you know. So, so, so you do certain things to survive, right? And sometimes it was to manipulate, you know, your man. Because, you know, your survival depended on your men. And this is very unhealthy dynamic between the masculine and the feminine. And then there is this feminine that, you know, is basically a masculine in a dress, right? And then something, I'm not saying it's wrong, because some women may want, you know, want to be a shark, want to be, you know, a CEO or something. And that's perfectly fine. But something then is lost in the feminine again. You know what I mean? Like, we don't actually claim the full feminine, but, and there are archetypes for this. Uh, and the only feminine that actually was uh, allowed some erotic power is in Hinduism, and it is the goddess Radha. But, you know, she's very cute, and everybody tells me she's their favorite because, you know, she's so in, in love with Lord Krishna. But she's very submissive. She just waits for him. And she's like, oh, baby, I'm always ready for you. You know, you come back whenever you want. And it's so funny because, you know, Krishna is always portraying playing flute. So he goes around playing his flute and she's all <laughs> wherever he goes. She doesn't mind. She just waits for him, you know. So that's another evolved archetype. 
There's one evolved archetype in Hinduism, which is goddess Sundari. You know, she like can move between different dimensions. She's in full possession of her sexuality. And, you know, she is uh, actually her full name is Lalita Tripura Sundari. And I like to repeat it three times. Lalita Tripura Sundari. Lalita Tripura Sundari, because it actually makes you ecstatic. It's a form of mantra. And, you know, and her laughter was so sexy that it br- brought mango trees into spontaneous fruition. Imagine what it did to men, right? right so, yeah. uh, but she too is demeaned now. So this, this is her original ar- archetype, but now, you know, like kind of a uh, uh, very special, you know, uh, massage parlors are called sundaris, you know? So oh, she's okay. the, the lowest version of that. And her gorgeous gorgeousness and as a powerful gorgeousness was forgotten. So women have to take responsibility for their own evolution as the, you know, not as this kind of kind of new agey feminine, but you know, be real also about your sexuality and about your spirituality. And men have to honor that part, you know. But my experience with men is that men love to have a woman, not a you know horrible person, but a woman who has a spine, you know, and who tell who tells him, you know, like you were you crossed the line here. That's not right, you know. So right. So yeah. we have to honor each other. This is what I'm saying. You know, not through manipulation or not through aggression, like maybe some men do, right? Because you are physically more powerful. And women, through manipulation, this is a comp- where we are at the moment is completely unhealthy. This is what I'm saying, right? Yeah, no, I'm absolutely in agreement with that. Yeah, while we were, you were talking, uh, it made me think of something. And I, I think I mentioned this to Miguel um, uh, when I had that conversation with him on that episode. Uh, and what you were just saying kind of, makes me think of this is that it's like um well i said it in a way that i think often like sophia the goddess is broken up and kind of split into all these parts and like in that way is hidden right so like there's the mother and you can only be the mother and then there's like the sexy one you can only be the sexy one and then there's like so you can't be um you can't have like a multifaceted woman that it has to be like you can either be this this or this kind of like you were just saying mm-hmm. again I, I can just see it playing out uh on the archetypal level mm-hmm. right like the same thing that has been done there has been done to these goddesses um you're absolutely right you're absolutely right and that's why how can we men and women have a like a healthy relationship when you know you have a split in your head you know like for both men and women are you are this mother you know or you're the sexy one like you cannot for some reason be both you know i don't right. understand why right? yeah and it's like it's like a it's a fracturing it's almost like yeah. a um a projected schizophrenia like yeah it is and it is kind of for a mm-mm. And, you know, and and it's very unhealthy and it's very unhealthy for men and it's very unhealthy for women, you know, because then women don't know what to do actually with their own sexuality, with the wisdom that lies in that. And, in, and and you know, and, and it's they, they compete against each other, which is, you know, the catty kind of thing, which is really ugly. And and so so we actually I, I always say, you know, we have to take responsibility for, for, you know, what we are becoming. And it goes for both women and men, you know, and, and it's not enough just to rage, rage against the past, you know, like let's, you know, the past is a past. You know, we just I just like to focus on the fact that there were archetypes that were, you know, not fractured and that they were suppressed and they obviously have some gift to humanity 
you know, because otherwise they wouldn't be suppressed. So, you know, whoever the archons are, you know, they just don't want this. They don't want women to evolve. This is what I would say. Because then there is this kind of eternal war between the masculine and the feminine. And and that's not, you know, this is obviously what they want. I don't know the agenda, but, you know, otherwise they wouldn't suppress it. Right. Well, it seems to be like the, the MO, right. It's like a, um, like a destabilization kind of the same thing that happens um in like a lot of different arenas right so you pit yeah like left against right women against men black against white you pit you want everyone this is just like like a game of think like an archon right like you just want like to shake the jar of ants so that they fight That's right. Uh, And my my practical advice for this is, you know, and I'm actually, you know, I'm nobody to give an advice, but advice to myself, let's say when it was going on and it was actually intensifying during, you know, the lockdowns and, you know, the pandemic or whatever, you know, that was, it it was basically do not get, because, you know, I went just crazy researching everything, right? Like who is right, who is wrong? And then I dropped it. Because it's impossible. It's unfortunately, I reached the conclusion it is impossible to know the truth about this thing, you know, yeah. because it's just so, you know, so many fingers in that pie, it's you so know. What t- I mean? Yeah, yeah, totally. It's so, so charged. I said, That's right. It's so charged. So I decided just don't get involved in this discussion. Sometimes the highest choice it is just see the chaos unfolding and see where it falls, and don't let. Don't be pulled into this because then you add energy to whoever is yeah. doing this. Yeah, you know? I had the similar experience and I got pulled to it, into it for um and this took me a while to see. Yeah. You know, <laughs> like yeah, I because I was it. diving very deep and um and you know, you can do that, and that's fine. Uh and I'm just as much of a conspiracy fan as anybody. Um but right, like it is very easy i think like sometimes the psyop is like a meta psyop right like (laughs) and then i start to think that everything is a psyop and then i start to get paranoid and then i start to you know like uh and like you said like the best thing for me was to kind of pull out and take Mm. that that wide Mm -hmm. Mm mm-hmm Yeah, that's right. So I can give you maybe from uh, first Star Wars because it's the only one I enjoyed, you know, but like then I I think it became a complete nonsense. That's my private opinion. But it's a little (laughs) bit like Obi-Wan Kenobi, you know, he's still, that's why he can actually like, he's in control of the elements, you know, because he sees what's going on. And even if he doesn't understand everything, he, you know, he doesn't lose his poise so to speak right and yeah. and i think this is a fantastic opportunity for us actually you know to do not lose your poise you know you see just everybody going crazy and even if you can master even some compassion because mm. what horrible ignorance is it right to get actually pulled into and and, and losing energy you know and and uh, giving our and by losing your energy you're giving it to someone else yeah so uh, so this is just like if, if you can just move back you know from this and observe be a witness you know this is what i have learned also from for example uh, hinduism you know witnessing is a very good meditation you can witness with your eyes open and you see you know the madness unfolding in front of your eyes and of course this is very challenging right yeah absolutely um to be able to have equanimity Mm. is a 
it's a high attainment, uh, but very fruitful if I can, if I can like, and sometimes I can only get there for a second. You know what I mean? Like I'll have a time when I'm like, Oh yeah, I can totally see. I'm so I'm able to see right now. I get it. Like I, I have compassion for everybody. Oh, like this person is doing this. Oh, they're just afraid. And then like maybe 15 minutes later, I'm like back into the shit. (laughs) I can't take it anymore. Right. Like It really is like a constant balancing act. Right. Yeah. So, you know, it, it, it is like that, you know, so if you, and, and it's, we are human, you know, and actually this kind of moments of, of, uh, witnessing is actually as you said high attainment because this is like you align yourself at eternity you know you you are like you know the mind of the god you know god or divine mind and you just observe yeah. what's going on right and that's very and it's also recharges your own energy and you see also that a game is being played and why would yes. you be a part of a really bad game you know nobody wins in this game or why would i take a game too seriously yeah yeah and flip and and, and flip the board you know like yeah because that's what i did when i was a child you know yeah that's Uh, right like i just want to play the game well and just like have a good time um that is a really good way to see it i think actually that's like a really good barometer of when like like am i taking myself too seriously Hmm. It's always a good question for me to ask, I think. <laughs> and what I learned from esoteric tantra is also, you know, they say it's a play of consciousness. So it's, yeah. in a way, it's an adventure, you know. So right. it's nice to be caught up occasionally in an adventure, but sometimes, you know, you have to make choices. And, you know, hopefully they're not just conditioned choices because then you're just in the same adventure, then it becomes a loop. It's not an adventure anymore, you know, it's just a loop. You go right. through the same. Well, yeah, way. like when my actions become compulsive. This is um. This is actually something, and you know, it's interesting because like a lot of the stuff that I was reading in your book really reminded me of things I've learned from um from recovery, uh, mm. and uh, I I talked about that with Miguel uh, as mm. well too. Um, but and I I think it makes sense, you know, because a lot of that is taken from um. There's a lot of influence of Gnosticism and Eastern philosophy and other um esoteric religious practices in a lot of like the 12 step stuff mm. but um that when you're talking about that divine mind um and you know in the book when you were talking about um like the goddess as the connecting principle between um the human and the divine and between divinities mm. like uh, embodying that connection and also being a personification of that connection mm-hmm. um that really hit for me and that really reminds me too of kind of how um angels are often described mm. absolutely so so uh, there are this kind of and i think so there are also like i believe now that there are all kinds of entities you know but i sometimes people uh, when i you know i also get in a little bit into a ufos and stuff but oh yeah i love it assume, <laughs> some people say it's either all bad or good you know just because something is disembodied doesn't mean it is good but just right. because something is otherworldly doesn't mean it's a, like a ufo phenomenon doesn't mean it's always bad you know so there's a there's, there's a very complex universe out there right so yeah. and i think it's 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 be it's important to be aware of it and it basically how you communicate with this and what kind of energy it has you know if if, if so so it's really you are in control you know it's like and 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 any any higher energy will respect to what the uh, 
degree you want to have a relationship with it so to speak right and right. i think that yes in, in all of these esoteric traditions women are portrayed exactly as this connection you know and and that men can have this connection but i also in, in esoteric tantra if you don't mind telling me it is that especially if it is coming through sexuality it is almost like a man starts up a woman she has the mega kundalini experience and we can talk about it and it spills back to the man so it is like a circle that they need each other so to speak to get there and if any part is disrupted it just doesn't work right it just doesn't work so almost like the woman in many esoteric traditions is because of her connection with energy because of you know different things is basically this kind of a Plugging point, you know, I know it suddenly sounds very Freudian and I didn't tell it this way. But there is a connection. No, it know? works. There is a connection between the body and the divine. You know what I mean? And 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 this connection was broken because a woman or the feminine was completely disempowered, you know, and, and turning to uh, you know, we spoke about it. And if if you don't mind, I just want to Say, as I mentioned in my book, that when I was in Jerusalem and it, I was in an Eastern Orthodox church and I saw this image of Mary Magdalene standing with her hand extended and she has an egg or something in her head and a hand and giving it to humanity. And I know the medieval story, which I think is, you know, just a, a remake of a much more ancient story. So I will not go to the medieval story, although it sort of hints at certain things. But what I noticed there, that Mary Magdalene, this is how I got to this uh, conclusion, that Mary Magdalene was so far the last in the line of his goddesses, you know, or priestesses, however you want to call them. And the first one in the Western tradition that I know of is goddess Nimna, which, you know, people who are into Anunnaki know, right? So uh, goddess Nimna, and how is she portrayed, you know, on, 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 on the stone relief? So she sits there. You know, and in her full power, she has a sun over her head, actually, not a moon, but a sun. So she's a solar power in this representation. She um, has a upright uh, serpent behind her, which could be esoterically interpreted either awaken a Kundalini energy because upright uh, serpent is awakened energy and coiled uh, serpent is unawakened, which means it's waiting to be awake, right? So she has awakened uh kundalini energy or it could be a dna because it's like a helix you know like right. the, yeah and uh in front of her there's a man sitting on the throne and she's offering him like mary magdalene this kind of fruit or something you know i had like a co higher consciousness and between them is the tree of life which is a representation of uh passages between life and death and also moving between different dimensions dimensions it's called axis mundi which is basically like the portal to the higher consciousness or other world very important image you know and somehow it comes with this feminine power is giving this awakening you know this this awakened serpent that is behind her and she's giving this gift to humanity represented by men and you know this tree of life is just next to her, which is really a portal to higher consciousness or, you know, otherworldly world of any way you want to think about it, right? Because as with UFO in experiences and Professor Diana Pasuka did it beautifully, you know, you can take it as, okay, there's a spaceship landed in my living room, or maybe it is an interdimensional spiritual experience, right? Yeah. I love her book too. It's great. Yeah. I love her book. I totally, I think she's a complete genius. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it blew my mind. A lot of that's yeah. a lot of stuff in there is it's still like rattles around in my head. Like, mm -hmm. 
And it's yeah. a beautiful writer. She's done it like an adventure story, you know, like yeah, like totally. I normally can't write, but she can write. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, highly recommended. American Cosmic. Um, yeah. yeah. The um, the, I, what I thought about too with Mary Magdalene um, handing the egg uh, was the idea of um it was Sophia that put the divine spark hmm. into the humans. Like, you know, the archons made them and they kind of just like, didn't work right. They just kind of like flopped around. They didn't have the spark yeah. of divinity. <laughs> yeah. And, um, just in the Gnostic, you know, going with the Gnostic stuff. Cause that's, uh, that's my wheelhouse really. And, yeah. uh, it was Sophia who kind of like secreted the, the, the spark into humanity. Mm. That's right. And uh, Sophia, because actually uh, many, as you know, many Gnostics believe that Mary Magdalene was a representation of Sophia right, in, in right. Jesus' life. So, and, and Goddess Nimna, so that's why I think they're actually one and the same person, maybe even, you know, yeah. showing up itself through uh, different times or reincarnating or, you know, the same energy because God, the Nimna is doing the same. She's like, you know, this is the gift, you know, take it, you know, this is the way out, so to speak. This is the, and not only way out, because it's not about escapism, it is about like, you know, complete enlightenment, you know, uh, reaching higher levels of consciousness. Because I believe that we are trapped, when if we are trapped, it's not that there is something wrong with reality, it's a level of consciousness that sees the reality in a limiting way. And once mm. you work on your consciousness, and this is what the all of this esoteric teachings of all traditions teach you, your reality expands. Right. You know, because suddenly you have access. And in, in the meantime, you, you, it's a cage because your consciousness is at the lowest level. Right. It's a perspective thing, I yeah. think, a perspective shift that occurs for me. Um, Correct. Because I, I, and I have, I can just speak from my experience that I did used to have the experience that this existence was a prison. And so that that was one of the reasons that the Gnostic stuff like really kind of hit with me was like, oh yeah, this is like a prison. I get it. Like we're trapped. And uh, you know <laughs> and all these terrible, terrible things happen. You know what I mean? Um, but now I've since come to see that like within me is the power to transform what I believe to be a prison into a paradise, and all it takes is really just seeing it in a perspective that's different. And, but to do that, I need that divine wisdom. That's right. You need Gnosis. And however, Gnosis can happen in, uh, you know, Gnosis can happen in any way. So if you're a serious spiritual seeker, you know, you just stay open-minded and open-bodied and open-hearted, you know? Yeah. So I, I just can only share that when I was initiated to this, you know, esoteric tantric tradition, and I'm not talking about the sexual experience yet, but, you know, when I was actually formally initiated and it was just a, basically a touch on your, on your forehead, you know, by, by somebody who goes through rituals and, you know, is giving the energy to pass it, to awaken your own energy. I actually had, it was such a dramatic awakening. I actually had a space like collapsing on me when in the room, when the room became like infinitely, you know, uh, big, you know, oh, like I was yeah. uh, and, 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 you know, and, and it's just an energy is moving through your body and you realize that actually, you know, this is just a construct. And we are conditioned since we're born to this construct and believe that this is what it is. And recently, I really, after I already published the book, the book was published, and I mentioned, you know, the Gospel of Mary Magdalene in the book and, you know, go through the basics of it. Now I, I, 
studied it, you know, as a as a spiritual seeker, not as a scholar. And I actually, this is what Mary Magdalene teaches in her in an extremely convoluted way, like all esoteric <laughs> works, you know. Yeah, right. <laughs> she actually teaches ascension, you know, and an ascension through ex- expansion of your mind and what you have to let go of, and you know what you have to do. And and this is what it is. And initiatory experiences, you know, give you this. And sometimes right. you have spontaneous awakening also, you know. And as I said, it doesn't necessarily it can happen through. And I just want to say many ways you can get initiated, you know. It can happen also through sacred texts. So I people, mm. because it's lots of work and it's not for everybody, but we s- often forget that the esoteric texts, especially, you know. Maybe it can happen with, for people with the Bible. I don't know, but for me, it didn't because it, yeah, the message didn't make sense to me, right? It's so, so it's so edited and watered down, and like yes, and yeah. I think it's from a lo- written from the lowest level of consciousness, and that's yeah. why I think that the Gnostics were completely right when they said that you know Peter was not too smart. You know, yeah, <laughs> the no, highest gosh, teachings yeah. were given, <laughs> and the highest teachings were given to Mary Magdalene, and this is what you know uh, they talk about. So so. If you choose any esoteric text, whether it's hermetic text or Gnostic text, or like for me, okay, originally it happened with chapter 29 of Tantra Loka, which is an esoteric tantric text, and recently with the Gospel of Mary Magdalene. When you really, you know, read it with devotion and you really want to know and you just let it, the energy of a text, not only the words of a text, you know, into yourself, then they have themselves initiatory power. Mm. And suddenly all of this convoluted text, because all esoteric texts are written for people. So I I thought like I, at the beginning, I thought they were written in such a convoluted way because it was a secret. Now I think that it is they are written in a convoluted way because they want you to commit yourself to this text. And it, if you do, the text will enlighten you. You know, energetically like enlighten you. So when, if you do it, suddenly you understand. Then I was reading, like, for example, chapter 29, that no, ah, you know, like even scholars don't know what it says. And then now, my Gospel of Mary Magdalene, and I know exactly what they say. And I thought, how come you? I read it 10,000 times. And I said, like, what's going on there? Because of your commitment. And you are being rewarded, so to speak, for your commitment. And now, yeah. you know. You know, the text rewards you. So this text actually have almost like a spiritual magic about them. But you have to, you know. You have to experience it. it, Because if I just, I because I think that that's a really, that's a great way to put it. Thank you for for sharing that with me. Because, yeah, it's like, okay. Because since I can't really pass on the Gnosis um, just by telling you, you have to experience it for yourself. But if mm. I sort of coax that experience out of you by writing it a certain way, then mm. it's kind of uh, being. Yeah. Uh, it's almost like, are you committed enough? Do you really want to yeah. know? You know, because if you just want to read or, you know, you just want to be an academic or you want to be like a spiritual teacher, because lots of people transfer the earthly ambition to spiritual ambition, you know, and they think they're hot, you know, because they don't right. understand something. But, you know, <laughs> Then, then in, this is all you get out of this, and which means nothing, you know. But if you like, okay, this is like a enlightening text. This text has an initiatory power, and I experienced it with two texts, right? The esoteric Hindu tantric text and 
and of the Gospel of Mary Magdalene, it's sudden, you know, like there's a Hollywood movie moment, you know, when you suddenly yeah. have sparkles around, it's just yeah. the sparkles are in you. And you suddenly said, I, now I get it, you know, and it is there for me, but it is because I climbed the ladder of con- my own consciousness, you know, through reading this, in, you know, and, 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 and meditating upon it and giving it my time and energy. And then it rewards me almost. The text has the power. This is what I can say. Yeah, that, that it actually. Um, I think, I think it's Philip K. Dick um, in Vallis, like when he writes about that, um, like when the jar was broken at Nag Hammadi, that like the mm-hmm. that the Holy Spirit was actually inside mm-hmm. and was released with the with the texts. Mm, absolutely, and and the Holy Spirit or whatever it is, you know, the uh, because Holy Spirit is a very kind of Christian concept, right? But well, right, is, it's, and the Holy Spirit is also like a defeminized version of Sophia, right? So, like that's right. <laughs> so but that's right. So because the, so basically Sophia, so the Gnosis was released, and the translator, for example, the Gospel of Mary Magdalene, the French scho- scholar and priest Jean Yves Leloup, who also did the Gospel of Philip, he says that he believes that the the spirit, you know, the Holy Spirit, the Sophia was released when we are ready collectively to read it. Because, you know, uh, in the Middle Ages, probably they wouldn't like, ah, you know, or, you know. They, yeah, well, they, they were like still burning cathars and stuff. So it's like, yeah, it yeah. just was, it was there, there were some, there were some, they were seekers, but, you know, they were, uh, and they knew, but that's why they were per- prosecuted and persecuted, right? Yeah. So, uh, but I'm talking about collective, larger collective, and there was yeah. an institution, and in fact, several institutions that, you know, didn't want this to spread. And now it's interesting that all of this was discovered when the institution is basically crumbling. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that's not a coincidence at all. I think it was a intentional it design. Was like just yeah, a hibernation almost, right? Like mm-hmm. yeah. I like the term hibernation, yeah. Just waiting um mm-hmm. for the right moment. I, I think that's such a beautiful thing. Yeah, and I I have that experience with some of the Nagamadi texts. Um like the hypostasis of the archons was really big like on that for me because um i i had a similar experience to you from what you described with um like because i grew up christian and i engaged with it um with authenticity like 100% i was into mm. it but there was certain like nagging problems with me just like with the creation story itself it's like okay so i'm going to engage with this like but it's not coherent because like, why does God do this? Why does God put the tree there and then not want them to eat it? Like Mm. that's just messed up. Like that's a test. Why is the God of the old Testament? So, um, so bloodthirsty. And so he's mean, I mean, like grow up, you know, like, (laughs) I mean, it's like two year old, you know, I want, I don't want, you know, I like you. I don't like you. you "Ah." Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, so reading that, it just like it blew it open for me and it wasn't for a long time you know because i kind of had to be ready just like those mm-hmm. like we collectively had to be ready for those scriptures to appear i had to be ready to find it in my life and it was one of those things where like i couldn't believe that this was here the whole time mm-hmm. and i just only like what maybe 4 years ago was reading it mm-hmm. you know like i was like where has this been mm-hmm. Um, just interesting, right? Like, and um, I know that you you mentioned um, 
a similar experience in your book when you talked about it was um I have a quote here because I really liked it. Um and I'm not gonna be able to find it now. Oh yeah, you <laughs> said you mentioned feeling as if um some essential knowledge had been withheld from you by a strange omission or by design. And when I read that, I was like, oh my God, I I I relate. Yeah. And you know, and 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 it's no more you know what i mean uh, so it's it's out there but you know uh, people like you for example or miguel you know uh with podcasts you know this is a big you know awakening kind of channel so to speak because uh, now i give talks also recently i was giving for magical egypt you know about the gospel of mary magdalene and then people kind of heard about it but they actually don't know what's there you know so it is still actually at the very beginning right it's still yeah. at the very beginning and and people just know a few things you know that are kind of trendy to say about it or but but i, I do not underestimate mistakes and i absolutely think that it was done by design you know and i don't i thought maybe they wanted to because they were afraid it falls into wrong hands and i said no you it, what's wrong with growing up you know it's like having a child and you try to prevent it from going from puberty because it can be messy well you have, you know, we go through puberty. It is messy, and this is how we, you know, uh, become adults. And this is what spiritual awakening is, in a way. It is a little bit like like that. You know, you suddenly a completely different being, and it it can be extremely challenging. So that's why anybody who is uh, awakened uh, and continues to awake, because I believe it's a process. I don't think it's just like one off. Right. right? Is is basically you know that it's extremely challenging. Because what you thought is important is not important anymore. But you live in the world and maybe family and friends, they still think that certain things are important because we are bound by this limited view of the world. And it's very difficult to navigate and find balance, you know. So it is extremely challenging, but it it is what it is supposed to be. You know, this is right. how we grow. You know, it's like letting go of the old body and, you know, developing a new body, so to speak, except that we are talking here really about the body of consciousness and awareness. Very well said. Nightbirds, I hope you've been enjoying the conversation so far, and there's more to come. But first, I have to ask that you support the show. As I'm sure you've noticed, there are no commercials on this show. There are no paywalls. You get everything up front. For there to be free dialogue, I think it must remain uncaged by the interests of advertisers. But Nightbird Radio does cost time and money to make, and your support means I can spend less time delivering pizza and more time doing this. That's a win-win. So that's why Nightbird Radio is a value-for-value value podcast. I hope you've found value in this show, but I can't and won't dictate how much. Only you can decide that. But what I can do is invite you to take that value, Turn it into a number and head to nightbirdpodcast.com, navigate to the support the show page, and donate. We're also listed on podcastindex.org, which means you're able to send Bitcoin via the Lightning Network using your favorite podcasting 2.0 apps, which can be found at newpodcastapps.com. I also accept services and dry goods in trade. There are many forms in which value is stored, after all. Email me at tim at nightbirdpodcast.com for more information. Sponsors will get a special mention at the top of the show. Thank you for your generous support. Want to hang out with other nightbirds and soapheads? 
For only $5 a month, you can gain access to the Polytechnic of the Numenauts, a private Discord server for artists, animists, and searchers that brings together the Nightbird Radio and Soapbox podcast communities. Just click the link I've provided in the show notes to get started. Now let's get back to the conversation. It's easy to rest on my laurels mm. if I let that happen. You know, I, like, okay, yeah, I found it. I'm good. Like, I got it. Like, mm. uh, at that moment, I'm in peril. <laughs> That's right. And you're in peril because, the, you know, the divine consciousness, whatever it is, is okay. So now another level, right? He says he's ready. Let's turn it up, right? Yeah, right. And I think, ah. Oh. <laughs> You know, so yeah. and it is just—it is like climbing this this ladder. You know, this is like I don't know Jacob's ladder. I don't know. You know, it it, it is exactly that. You know, so what you say, I've got it, and there is ah. Yeah, it's a challenge. <laughs> You're ready. Okay, next adventure, right? Yeah, right. Totally. Which next you know, step. in some way, that's you know, that's like you said, probably how it's supposed to work. I think that like. I came here to experience this. Um, That's right, and 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 I read somewhere that somebody said it was really nice. But you know, treat it as an initiation. This difficulty, yeah. this challenge shows up in your life, and this is your initiation. Are you going? And this is what I'm saying in my book too. Are you going to act from your habitual choices because there is no growth in them? You just you know go in the loop and you say, oh, why am I stuck? Because you make the same choices. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> or you take a different, make a different choice, even if you don't have no idea, just different from what you normally do, and there will always growth that will come out of that. You know, and maybe it wasn't the best choice, but at least it was a different choice. You know, right? So yeah, you yeah. always learn. So you always learn. And that way, and I can yes. expand kind of my reality, right? Like, yeah, that's right. It's like you know, going in a a kind of cosmic odyssey. You don't know what's ahead, you know. But wow, right? And this is what comes with these choices. You new 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 possibilities open. New new portals open. Yeah. Right. Portals. I like portals. That's a good word. Yeah, I like portals too. <laughs> um, so not to change the subject too much. I did want to ask you, I'm curious to hear what you think about um like Marian apparitions like Fatima and um Guadalupe um mm -hmm. in relation to uh because I was just reading the chapter where you talk about uh Elfheim. And talking about I'm sorry, about what? About Elfheim, or I don't maybe I'm not pronouncing it correctly. Uh, the Celtic. Um, oh yeah, Elfheim. Yes, Elfheim. Yes. yes, I don't want to pronounce because I'm not a Celt. Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah right. Yeah. <laughs> um. Uh, this idea of kind of like the white lady that appears mm. to so many. Uh, and it, Diana Walsh-Pasolko talks about her as well. Yeah. And um, you actually even hear her. Um. She's even comes up in like Bigfoot sightings too. Like when people see Bigfoot, yeah. they often see like a white lady. And yes. it's um to me, it seems like these are parts or times or maybe particular places where the other world is like particularly pouring through strongly. But like what is your take on that or your view on that? Like what do you think? I actually I just... like what you what you said there. So I think there are actually physical places. That you know it is, and I and and you know you're an American, right? So, for example, when I went to Yosemite, right? No, it wasn't Yosemite. It is the other one that has kind of so, so, the, the earth uh, is very thin there, 
I forgot where is this not the uh, Yosemite. Um, Yellowstone. Yellowstone, I think, yes. And and thank you, Yellowstone. So, you know, you go and there's like crust of the earth is really thin, you know, like yeah. or in Iceland, the same, you know, like actually, you know, you have geysers and so on. So I think that this also happens energetically. Mm, so there yeah. are some parts on this beautiful planet that are actually, the, the, you know, the, the veil is very thin. Okay, let's put it this way. And this is when it is, it's, we are not the only places to experience things like that, but there are the places where it is easier to experience this, right? So, uh, and, and some of them are known, the places, some are or less known. For example, I have one place that I go here, you know, in Australia for a walk. And, you know, people probably think, oh, this is the crazy lady, right? Because I go there and I just give it like a little <laughs> ritual, you know, in my mind, but I stop for a moment. Because I can feel that the, it's 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 a portal, you know what I mean? Like this, it's so thin. Like there's a different yeah. light. There. It's almost physically different, you know. There's a different light around it. It's always like slightly lighter, you know, even on a dark day. And 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 I feel the energy. But some places are very powerful, you know. And in many uh, for many millennia also, temples were often built, you know, by people who were very intuitive. And I said, this is the place for a temple. Right? right in these places so that's why some of these apparitions come in these places that have this where the veil the veil is very thin right where the portal is basically very easy open easily open and then you know when the, the church started to build the churches they usually build the churches on the old sides of the temples because right. again the portal was already there ready to be open so definitely however when there are some weird places like like uh, what is a skinwalker ranch or something oh, yeah, like yeah, yeah. one hell of a portal you know where i don't think i want to go you know <laughs> right yeah like <laughs> yeah crazy stuff so, going on there uh, yeah crazy stuff because yeah, i think some kind of chaos is happening there right yeah and it doesn't maybe have to be bad it's just too many things all at it's once just you chaos know? right yeah yeah, yeah. Um, so but but i think it's absolutely this that there are this kind of portals when certain um entities you know can cross and communicate with us and we call it let's say a virgin mary or we call it uh, uh, ufo depending on your system of beliefs so you we filter it you right know, we Fair, have the fairy queen i mean it's all kind yeah. of very similar yeah, so right it's filter, we filter it from from you know where you are at the moment but this thing is real you just try to give it the uh, meaning through what is important for you and, and it's kind of I, I would for me the best sense is that it is a portal and it's interdimensional you know and there are some entities that want to contact us and some of them definitely want to help us but some may not you know so i said like with everything you know use your discernment right yeah. and but um, yeah, so I think, mm -hmm. no go ahead no no so i just say you're really right calling it uh a, a portal you know it's it's just almost like it's like thinner you know the, the, the right. spiritual and, energy is thinner there and there's things that we can do i think to to make those places as well or at least temporary mm -hmm. you know like through rituals absolutely um, i think definitely sex that's does that yeah, that's right. So, for example, you know, when people meditate, they have a, like a special mat because it's like right. it's the boundary for you. But eventually, when uh, you're really advanced, you don't need the mat because you see that you know divine consciousness is yeah part everywhere of is sacred space. It's just everything is sacred space. But sometimes we have to delineate the sacred space because there's just too much noise. Right, it's more know? for us than it is for um 
for Maybe. space. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. I'm doing this to benefit space. Yeah, um, that's right. That's funny. Um, yeah. So maybe do you want to get into um, to your experience that you had uh, with the Kundalini awakening? Yes, I'm very. I'm happy because I already spoke about it openly, and I, you know, it is in the other goddess, you know, for anybody, <laughs> you know. So there's no reason to hide, right? It's out there. So, um, but if I can give some background, because some people yeah. ask me certain questions, and I said I cannot. It depends, you know, where you are, right? So, first of all, as I describe in the book, you know, I, I was actually uh, put my academic career on a kind of an automatic pilot for a year and a half, and I was studying an esoteric uh, a, a tantric text with a translator from uh, somebody who translated from Sanskrit, you know, who, who, by the way, is a Catholic priest. So that's interesting, huh? And you know, and I was also that there was me, him, Tibet, and Tibetan monk, and, and another Swami, and it was just reading the text. We didn't do any funny stuff, right? And for a year and a half, and it's extremely esoteric, convoluted, and it's just like, even if you translate it, you still don't know what you do it, you know, but I did it with devotion, okay? And I could start it eventually to feel the energy of it. I don't know if they felt the energy, I felt the energy. And this is, again, maybe the role of the feminine. And this three, they were all basically renunciates, you know, one from Buddhist tradition, one from Hindu, and one with Catholic priests. And they somehow understood that my presence as a Shakti, so to speak, as the feminine was absolutely unnecessary for the process. You know, we just said, like, cool. it's not, if I am not there, it's not happening. And it's not me, it's just the feminine energy, right? Right. Because I, as I said, I never say, you know, I'm special in any way. It's just the, the energy. And, you know, and, and, and one, after one of these meetings, I was going home and I actually was dating very casually someone, which was very unusual for me. Okay. Because I was getting over and you know how you do it when you're young, you know, I was getting over a serious relationship and, you know. Uh, and just yeah. things happen, but you know, we like each other. And, you know, I was just completely not attached because I was just like still getting over somebody else. And, you know, and, and, and he was waiting for me, you know, and, and things basically happened, right? Uh, sexually happened between us. And then I maybe discussed. So I'm saying that it was not a serious relationship. And somehow in, in esoteric tantra, they tell you that. You have to, it's it, not that it cannot happen in a serious relationship, but when you do this, either it is spontaneous or you focus on the process and not on the relationship. Right. You understand? Because yeah, relationship yeah, yeah. has a certain baggage, has goals and so on. So you just want to, you know, you focus on the experience or like I believe that the text granted me the experience, the initiatory power of the text. So what happened, you know, so during a sexual encounter, you know, I suddenly had the awakening of a Kundalini energy, which is basically this very, normally they say it's subtle, that was really powerful, you know, at the bottom of my spine and it started to move into my heart and explode. And it's, it's very weird feeling. So it, this depends to whom I give an interview. It is basically, uh, it, it is like you, but it's either it's some ancient wise you or it's maybe like an even different entity. But I think it's you. Yeah. It is just like you if you if, if there are no boundaries. You know, you when right. you are limitless, right? Because it's so much wiser than you. And you feel it. So it's not just, and people say, how do you know it's not an orgasm? Because it is very intelligent, you know? You right. just feel this wise, powerful, like, oh my God, energy is moving along your spine. And it exploded in my heart, you know? And we stopped because it was so powerful. You know, and the man, you know, and I actually tap, 
as a bulb, you know, like there's actually physical light around me. Like they show, you know, uh, on, you know, on some figures, right? Religious figures. And then, and, and the man started to feel it then too, you know, like it spilled on him. And he was just like, fortunately, he was spiritually aware, you know, because he says, you know, like something is going on here that is out of normal, right? Because, you know, here I am, you know, like in this light, which just comes from within my body. And gives him bliss too, you know, like it spilled on him the bliss and the light. And then the energy started to move up my throat and up to my forehead. And then it paused for a moment and I could feel it that it was making up its mind. You know, am I going to get the full experience or just make that enough? And it exploded completely, you know. And suddenly the whole reality was like sparkles of energy. Okay, so it was complete bliss, you know, and they said that, you know, existence is actually bliss when, you know, you can get to this point of, and, you know, it was sparkles of energy and there was nothing material around me. Like everything was like, uh, not like sparkles, you know, in, uh, in Hollywood, but basically like energy, like particles of energy. Yeah. Okay. Like I had no concept of being material or anything but and i was one like i was not separate from this energy i was just like a slightly more condensed version you know of of that energy and you know and then like uh, weeks and months of complete bliss followed so not just like walking on air after like great sex or something it was just so right. profound you know and 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 the man was aware of this too and especially the physical manifestation what was um visible to to you know the man right who right and and it just happened on its by itself right it's just like that sexual experience initiated it and then it's just the energy started to move itself. and it possessed its own intelligence and it yeah. and it was just completely you know possessed its own intelligence so i had a sense it, that it was me but it was also not me it was just so beyond me at the moment you know what i mean but it yeah. wasn't like a alien body entered me no it wasn't like that it was me it just like as i said like a much more evolved version of what i am right at the moment yeah like you're feeling a higher level of or if that's a like a, a framework you like to use i don't even know um i don't it's not even higher level it was yeah. just like uh, there's nothing you can compare. It's not like I'm a bit wiser or something. It is just right. almost foreign, but not foreign. Let's put it this way. Somehow you, but but foreign at the same time. Interesting. And it was a very positive experience, I must say. It was a very positive experience. So it wasn't a scary experience. And I think although this kind of things can be scary because, you know, things sometimes can go externally out of control in your life after that, you know. But what I'm saying that if you don't mind, because I was also talking with Professor Kripal, you know, because he's into spiritual experiences and like Diana Pasuka, he's also interested in UFOs. So I think that and I don't want to insult anybody with that experience because I'm sure they are real. But I think that... Uh, this kind of experiences that some people also consider UFO experiences, if you're not prepared for this, mm. it can be hell. And Kripal, Professor Kripal was saying like all kinds of scientists had experiences like that too, you know, but they were not prepared spiritually for this, you know, because they, and, and, and then it feels this, this one experience uh, that was a high level scientist told Professor Kripal that they felt like raped almost. This energy moved through me, through them. Yeah. I didn't feel like that because I think I had, you know, initiate, was initiated before and I had a 
receive the initiatory power of a text, and then you honor this greatness that is moving through you. You understand? Yeah, you know totally. what is going on. You don't understand, but you know what is going on. That all great beings of the past were talking about it. That all the reliefs, like Nimina were showing with, you know, the upright serpent and so on. That, and they are telling you, this is what's possible for you. So instead of being scared, embrace it. Because I had lots of people who had a Kundalini energy sexually or not, they said, take it away because, you know, my life is chaos now because they hold on to the old. Mm. You understand? Yeah. So so I think that uh, some of this, maybe not all of them, you know, also you, some of the UFO experiences, maybe also initiatory experiences, but, you know, they were just too sudden and, you know, and and, and it was just too difficult to process them i'm not saying all of them but maybe maybe some right i think and um i think something that it makes me think of and, and maybe listeners will have some experience with this um i think it's it's reminds me kind of how a psychedelic experience can be mm. like if i'm engaging with it on the proper level if i'm like respecting the medicine and mm. approaching it in a, a a respectful way, and if I'm aware of what I'm getting myself into, it can be this amazing, beautiful healing experience that puts me in touch with beings that are just like benefic in every way. But if I'm in a bad place or I'm not ready or something, like a psychedelic experience can be kind of um horrifying. <laughs> and That's I can only right. imagine it's it kind of similar. Yeah, I would say so. I, although I never had a psychedelic experience, but I, I would imagine so. And perhaps, perhaps it also shows us uh, inner demons, you know? And yeah, like, absolutely. Like, this is only what you have to face. And you think like, oh, maybe not all at once, right? right. <laughs> <laughs> because, you know, it's pretty intense out here. Yeah. You know, but I, I would say that although I never had a psychedelic experience, this is exactly what you're talking about. It's so it is also like... Uh, whether you approach it with fear or not. Although there are plenty experiences of awakening of Kundalini energy, you know, when people are not ready and they understand. So, for example, somebody, I spoke to one woman, it was like early 70s, you know, when people did lots of other stuff, right? And she said that she had this experience, but she says it was during, like, basically, she was, like, high on drugs and they had sex and suddenly they had this experience. And they were not looking for any experience, you know, it was just sex, right. drugs, and rock and roll. Right. But the experience was so strong and so powerful that they, they understood what happened to them almost like it's just that through what was going on sexually and then also psychedelically, you know, they're being open to, you know, to something else, right? Out of this construct that we carry around ourselves that is called, you know, the cage of our reality if we, you know, don't make changes. And I've had similar experiences and I kind of want to say I've had this experience during sex too, but I I didn't have a container for it so I didn't understand what was happening. Mm. Um, but it was both of us that had the experience and it wasn't quite like what you're describing, but on some level of it, I think it was that now that like when I read your book, I was like, oh shit. This is kind mm. of like what happened this one time. Mm. But I and you know, and I sorry, sorry, no, you're sorry, fine, you're fine. I, <laughs> I just didn't have any I just didn't have any context for it, but go ahead with what you were yeah. saying. Yeah. And if you don't have a context, so you very often, unfortunately, people discard an experience. They said, oh, that was interesting, or that was weird, or, you know, or, or they get scared, you know, but right. that's why it's good to have a context, not that you need the context, but it's good for you. So you know what happened. So 
when you, instead of being scared, you can be like in gratitude, you know, that, that right. this, this experience chose you, so to speak, right? Although I'm sure it is available for everyone. But in my book at the beginning, I also describe experiences that are sexual, what I call, you know, a erotic rapture that, you know, readers uh, wrote to me when I was blogging. And for example, this one particular example from one woman that I would like to share, if you don't mind, because we talk about it, that okay. maybe it wasn't a Kundalini experience, but then recently, again, somebody told me when I was giving a talk, they had the same experience. That, for example, um, what is erotic rapture? So erotic rapture is very different than a romantic encounter, in a sense, because when you usually you have a, a romantic encounter, then after that, we start to think, are we getting married? Are we have children? And then we are moving, nothing wrong with this, but we are moving in a very mundane direction. Right. Okay. And, and very often, this kind of experiences happen, you know, before this happens. So in this particular example, the woman and a man happened. There was this kind of sudden recognition that was not just sexual attraction, but they felt like, you know, they knew each other. It's just they didn't know what they were doing, you know, what where they're from, you know, are they professional or not? But they had this sudden recognition. And, you know, and in fact, they were attached to other people, but they decided to go for, you know, this powerful, for this ex sexual experience that turned out to be very powerful as a one-off. And they actually had out of complete out of body experience. They actually saw themselves they were like above this under the ceiling, oh, wow. you know, making yeah. love. And they were continuing making love. Like I don't know how we call it astral body because I'm not into this, you know, kind yeah, of yeah, um, something like that, right? Vocabulary. Definitely an out of body experience. Out of body experience, wise, and they were still having, you know, this sexual uh, experience when they were out of body, but they could look down, and so they saw themselves like in two dimensions. Having yeah, sex, that's, that's really cool. <laughs> and that was super cool. And I must say, at that one, I'd never had. But you know, recently I was on another show, and the woman says she and her partner actually had the same experiences as well. You know, which were connected to Kundalini movement. But if I can just finish this story, so they decided, of course, they are not going to be together because you know they had other lives. You know, and he was from another country or something. But you know, it was a difficult experience to forget, right? So they, I'm sure, they thought about it, but they went their different ways. You know, and and then uh, about twenty years later, this woman who was still in the same town, uh, I think, or lived somewhere else, but she did a course to be a celebrant. You know, like uh, to give uh, marriages or you know funeral celebrant. And it was she just got her diploma or whatever it is, and uh, somebody approached her. Look, we have other celebrants are busy, and the body, somebody's body from overseas arrived because his family used to live here. And, you know, uh, would you perform uh, funeral rites for him? And she, and she says, okay. So it was her first, you know, uh, funeral rites or any rites as a celebrant. And she looked at the papers and it was this man. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, you know, like there's this kind of universal, you know, thing happened. So, and they said, and she said that they actually had a total recognition, like on a soul level, you know, that was just also present sexually. And they knew that they had to leave their lives separately but even after that he somehow was you know came back to her you know what i mean like yeah that's so a really she cool would story. perform the, the, the passage you know the, the rite of passage so to speak for him you know to uh, another that makes you think so, about past lives and things like that yeah like, you know totally totally i think it's actually i totally believe in past lives and, you know, because I got heavily, as you see, I'm influenced by esoteric Hinduism. And this is how I returned to Christianity and, and, and agnosticism with a deeper understanding, because I think Christian theology is extremely limited. 
So, so I definitely uh, believe in past lives, other dimensions and past lives. I do too. And, you know, like the Gnostics were, had transmigration of souls too, you know, mm-hmm. like this is one of the, uh, another examples of how, like you said that Christian theology is extremely limited. It's just like, what happened? <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> because so that's was... why I said that, this is when you have to become conspiratorial because like, how could you like damn it, damn it, you know, like damn down, you know, like to make it to like so basic and so uninspiring something. And this is my, even as an academic, I was publishing papers, you know, the definition between religion and spirituality. So religion is indoctrination, in my opinion. You know, it's at the lowest level. And spirituality, it is, you know, uh you're open. You understand? Like if one story doesn't make sense to you, then maybe you can move to another that makes sense to you. Like I did. Christian yeah. story didn't make sense to me. I went to Hinduism and now Christian story makes sense to me, but from a different level, which is Gnostic level. Well, yeah, that ability to compare them is it opens up a whole nother um it's just a whole nother universe. I, I feel mm-hmm. like just being able to because you know. Like, right. Religion is like, I'm right and nothing else is right. And the, mm. what I have is the thing. And I was shutting myself off from so much. Whereas now I'm able to compare all these different mythologies, all these different stories and all these different traditions. And I can learn more about all of them by comparing them to each other. That's right. And at the end, they all tell the same story. Right. The more you read it is the same story, but just from different perspectives and from different levels of consciousness also. Right. So, uh, so this is what it really is. So, uh, I think religion very often closes people's minds when spirituality opens people's minds. Right. right. So, uh, and I don't want to insult anybody, you know, and some people need it. Like, for example, my mother says, you know, I know that, you know, certain things are going on in the church because she's still in Poland and she's Catholic. Right. And, and she says, I understand it, but she says, it gives me peace. You know, there are certain rituals and I go to church on Sunday and otherwise she gets scared. You know, she's not ready for this open-mindedness, right? So it's not that she condones on everything that is going on in the church or believes hundred percent, but it gives her certain spiritual, I would say, rhythm. And this is what she is ready at the moment for, you know, like not everybody you have to honor this. Some people need it as long as they are not trying to indoctrinate other people or become obnoxious and saying, well, you're just a loser. You know, I am at least a real thing, right? Because I have my religion. But if it, if it, if they are just very modest about it, like my mother, you know, Joanna, it gives me comfort. Then, you know, there's no reason to upset her, you know, at this age right. also. Right? I said, okay, I, I have different beliefs and we speak about it. And she says, you know, it's very interesting, but it scares me. So why would I scare her when she already found spiritual comfort somewhere else, right? Right. Yeah. It's um. It's not my responsibility to like mm. wake anyone up or to. Like... No. It's when when she's ready, she wake up. Right. Right. Yeah. And you know, it's an infinite universe. If not this time, the next uh, next All Right. So yes, exactly. <laughs> That's the thing. Like, how many times? Yes. How many lives yeah. did I have before this where yeah. I didn't have this experience? You know, and um. That's... And here you are, right? And right. Here you are. <laughs> right. Um, well, that's really. I, I'm. Thank you for sharing uh, your story with me. I just. I. It's so fascinating to me, and I think. Um, so, too, this is an example of like 
and we mentioned it before, but like how we are able to create these spaces where like the boundaries are thin. Mm. I think that's kind of what what is happening. Some of what is happening there during um, sex, because it's not only is it um, mirroring the first act of creation, but it is melding the boundaries between. Well, it's like God encountering God, or goddess encountering God, or or, or however you want to put it, right? Um, yeah, it's like a crossroads. That's right, and you also kind of uh, that's a very intense meeting of masculine and feminine too, right? right? And I think this intensity, it's it's a great power in this intensity, you know, especially if you're willing to take it to another level than just, you know, a physical level. So uh, so this kind of intensity, it's it's a great energy. So like every great energy, it, it can create lots of good as well. Right. So right. we focus nowadays, you know, about sexual rights, you know, that are used for evil. And I'm sure they are because it's a powerful energy. But right. when I'm saying this naturally also can is powerful for, for the for good, you know, like this well, can be a total awakening. And and again, somebody is sabotaging it by telling I was gonna say, you, I think that's why we focus on these yeah. sexual rights that are done for evil, right? Because when you like and I know a lot of the people that I there's a lot of people that are in the conspiracy world that like all sex magic is like evil to them. They won't that even entertain not. the idea. Right. And it's like, it's always been sort of like, it has to be secret. It's been maligned. Um, I don't know. It's just, it's again. No, I understand. And I thank you for saying you, that you're saying this. So, and, and, and I'm not denying that's nothing like that is happening, but what I'm saying, focusing on this is doesn't help also anybody because actually I think it's another point on the agenda, you know, the evil right. agenda, so to speak, like there is this powerful energy that can actually speed up your spiritual process, you know, your ascension, but vilify it the way you vilify it, for example, feminine energy, <clears throat> For millennia, vilified, right. yeah. so people won't go there again. Why? They don't go there out of fear, right? Right? Or they will feel shame. You know, you're a sinner, and especially in 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 Christianity, is, is sinfulness and and sexuality are very closely connected. You know, but actually in most religions, and and yeah. that's again another form of brainwashing. And for example, in the opening of the Gospel of Mary Magdalene, Peter asks Jesus, you know, a teacher tell us about the sin of the world. And the first question of answer that Jesus says, he says, there is no sin. Uh-huh. I, lo- I love that. Yeah. And he just says, it depends what choices you make and from what level of consciousness. I'm simplifying here, modernizing the answer. Sure. But basically, this is what he says, right? It is depends from what level of consciousness you make your choices. So you create your sin by your choices. So, for example, by choosing, you know, focusing on the negative aspect of uh, sexuality uh, or some people, any spirituality is wrong. All gurus are corrupt. Oh, yeah. All magic. All magic is evil. All all magic is evil. So so whom do you help? Certainly not yourself. Okay, because you cut yourself out of this possibility of your own greatness. Right. So, um, and so that's definitely, I think it's actually, uh, if there is an agenda, this is definitely part of the agenda because that's a powerful energy. And this is when the masculine and feminine, you know, meets, you know, as in, in no other place, really, right? right? So, uh, in a situation. 
And, and and that's where the great power is. And with what we were talking about at the beginning, you know, when the masculine and feminine work together, but it has to be a conscious masculine. It has to be conscious feminine, right? Otherwise right. we're back to basics again, right? Yeah. Right. Uh, I will ask you a question that I like to ask all my, all my guests. Mm -hmm. And that mm -hmm. is what were you afraid of as a child? What I was afraid of as a child. Uh, let me think what I was afraid of a child. Uh, I think, uh, I don't think I was afraid really of anything, but I was afraid. I was, um, and that's really, I never discussed it with anyone. So I was really feeling strange in my body. So as a little girl, I would look at the mirror and I was thinking, who is this person? You know, and I wasn't crazy because I was highly functional and so on, but I really, so maybe it is some argument for incarnation. I don't know, because I thought, wow. So this is how I look now. I have like actually memory of this, you know, as a young girl looking at the mirror, like, who is this person? And so this is how I look now, like not remembering anything else from the past. You know, I don't, didn't remember anything, but feeling really like, wow, you know, so this is how I look now. And it wasn't a judgment about my body because it was pre, you know, when you brainwashed how your body has to be. It was right. just like, wow, I'm in the body. Hmm. So, so this was not, not really a fear, but like, yeah. Um, uh, just strange uh, relationship with actually my own physicality, you know, until I just got used to it, like everybody, right? But I think that maybe right. lots of children actually feel it. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense to me. Um, cause I think that, that that's another one of these liminal times where like as kids, we're kind of like still have, more of the other world on us. Uh, yeah, like you know? continuity. Yeah, like continuity, yes. right? And then right. we just, oh, okay, so I'm here now. And then like kind it's of not start... such a fine line between this past life and the next. They kind of flow together. Yes. That's interesting yeah. to um to think about. Uh I did remember what I was gonna say uh earlier actually too. Um <laughs> this idea of um I just read the quote in your book, uh, or I at least I I highlighted it and I was reading all the highlights, but the idea of separation, um, mm -hmm. this idea that um, what brings separation is not from the divine. I think I'm misquoting you, but it, you said something mm -hmm. like that in your book. Um, mm. And I think that is part of what, um, you know, I talk a lot about on this show about, and We've talked a lot about it on this episode uh, in the context of sexuality, but I there's a lot of sort of um, fractures or um, things that have been severed from us, at least in the West. Um, I can't speak for everywhere else. I can only speak for my own experience. Mm -hmm. um, like these practices that we're kind of severed from, these practices that we're separated from. So we're separated from like the intelligence of our bodies. This is why mm -hmm. what you just said reminded me. Um, we're separated from the intelligence that our bodies hold. We're separated from, uh, like for me, I was totally separated from the, even the idea of spirit at all. Mm -hmm. um, and again, it, to focus on it is, you know, not necessarily my goal in bringing this up, but I just think it's interesting that this common thread of separation. Yes. Um, and, 
and I, I totally agree. There's a common thread of separation, and um, and I think it is basically uh, I th- <laughs> uh, I think that somebody wiped our consciousness. You know that we are conditioned to forget this, and it's not necessarily if, focusing on the spirit is really good. But when you are actually you know, have a deep uh, spiritual experience, you realize that uh, the physical is also spiritual, right? That this right. is, uh, that's why the concept of energy is so helpful. So one thing that scientists yes. did well, it is bringing up the, the concept of energy because then it's not material, it's not physical. It, it It is energy, right? It is both. And it can create spiritual and it can create material. So I think that uh, consciousness was wiped out somehow. And this is where the separation comes from. And when there was a, you know, lineage of uh, archetypical identities, you know, or entities that were trying to undo this, you know, that were trying to undo this. And I personally focus on the feminine, but I'm not saying that it's only women. So when it just even separating us even from our sexuality, look, we hate our bodies we feel terrible about our sexuality. We can think about it in like darkest possible terms and, you know, bloody sinners and so on. And yeah. it's completely unnatural, right? It's a completely unnatural. And for example, in my research, I found this, uh, this, this esoteric tantra, uh, which is a sexual form of es- esoteric tantra, st- was started by a, by a higher being called Arda Triambaka, which means half Triambaka, who was the daughter of the original sage, so which can be like original, you I don't know, God, original uh, alien, you know, I don't know. Cool. And, you know, and yeah, she, she actually, her, her, you know, her goal was, you know, so this is about the Kula ritual, it is that to teach humanity that they can awake through, you know, their sexuality and that, that there is nothing wrong with this. It is our attitude that is wrong. So basically, that's why I love Gnosis as well, because, or, because Gnosis is very similar to actually esoteric Hinduism. In in esoteric Hinduism, there is no sin. There is just ignorance. Mm. So, you know, it's just ignorance. So if you, the separation is a form of ignorance. And whatever you do to move away from the separation towards Gnosis is a process of enlightening and of enlightenment. It's a process of awakening. So I don't believe that it was, that it's just, somehow happened to our consciousness and the story of Sophia, for example, the fall of Sophia, uh, kind of describes it, right? She was just looking down, seduced by some light. It's kind of mythical thing, right? And then she forgets who she was. And then, you know, she prostituted herself, but not necessarily even like prostituted who, like Miguel says very well, right? We prostitute ourselves. We have jobs just to, you know, pay bills, you know, that's what is it if not prostitution, right? And stuff. So, so, and then, you know, suddenly through an act of grace, like Christ consciousness kind of saves her, right? And then go back together to where they came from. And, you know, part of her stays behind because she wants to teach us the Gnosis, you know, she wants to give us this experience. So I think this mythological story has many layers because it's also present in, in esoteric Tantra when, you know, uh, when energy basically just is playful and it's creating different things and suddenly it's just so caught up in the material world that it doesn't know how to go back. Mm. Okay. And then something has to happen to create this awakening in us, you know, so, so we can go back. But the going back, I don't think it's not away from the planet or somewhere else. 
going back is basically, you know, remembering our own greatness, you know, changing the lens, cleansing the lenses of our perception, right? Yeah. And then you realize we like, and and the same what says in esoteric tantra, the sexual part also, it says, and then you'll be walking like goddesses and gods on earth. Mm, All that. you need to do is cleanse your lenses of perception, you know? So it is a prison only on a particular level of consciousness and the more conspiracy theory, conspiracy theories are great because they tell us look something is really not working you know someone is really playing like a dirty trick on us but when i think it goes wrong and i hope i'm not insulting anyone here if you focus on it so much that you just give energy more to your to your own self then you think okay now what i'm going to do to get out of this that's the good point Right. Right. So you're not, uh, you know, uh, idiotically, oh, yeah, this is how things are and they cannot be other way. No. If you're in conspiracy, you know, like this is not completely not right. Right. Now, what can I do to make it right? And, and, and spiritually thinking, you have to start with yourself. You have to do whatever you have to do to cleanse your lens of perception. And then there is no separation. You mm. see? So it's almost like you are present, like almost like in multiverse. You are present of different present you exist on different levels of consciousness and the higher you move the more sense everything makes and there's less separation until there is no separation but it's like which version of yourself you want to be right it's a choice it's a choice and it's it's work you know it's also work because you know you have to be constantly open-minded and constantly work on yourself and be open to experiences, even if it's a sexual experience. You know, don't judge it. You know, some people had, many people had complete awakening. You know, this way. Yeah, I think the idea of um, remembering who I am, remembering who you are, has been like a really, really powerful way of, um, like something to reach for. Mm. Mm. Uh, an attainment to to aspire to uh and it 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 allows me because there's a lot of reasons but for one it allows me to be merciful to myself like oh, i just mm. forgot i forgot who i was like i couldn't see yeah. and it's cool you know you forget yeah. things right rather than you know you're a sinner or you're stupid or what's wrong with right. me because you know? we're so hard on ourselves yeah, we are. I'm so hard on myself too. Unfortunately, I have a loving man in my life and my husband who's telling me, why are you so hard on yourself? You know, but he has to remind me. Otherwise, I would continue beating up on myself, right? And we do this. And it's like, as you said, it's very compassionate towards yourself. And you have to start compassion with yourself, right? We are compassionate towards others, but what about ourselves? You know, like I forgot. And you know what? Everybody forgot. And that's why there are these great spiritual beings and you know the sacred text to remind us mm. to remind us having said so this fall this form of ignorance and I've, this is where i'm conspiratorial i think that it was imposed on us yeah i think so too that, that this that, 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 that was some kind of uh, bad magic done on humanity you know yeah. wanting us to forget that i agree with you know all conspiracy something definitely happened there Right. You know, and and um, in all also texts, you know, uh, they say that there was some kind of rebellion on the planet, and you know, the fallen angels, and you know, all of these kind of things. So, somebody was playing a little bit too much with us, right? And, yeah, and, totally. And on this planet, so so this yes, but uh, the power actually is within us because they wouldn't try to control us so much if we weren't so damn powerful, you know? Because right. yeah, 
And so, so we just have to claim our own power. Well, that makes me go ahead. Mm -hmm. And and I say, start from within. Yeah. That's the first step. Right. And if I'm, there was a moment when I was like in the darkest place of my life. And the moment that I turned around and started walking out of that, like it wasn't an all at once thing, but that moment that I did that was the defining moment. Like that, that's all it took. That's so beautiful. Thank you for sharing this. And and the other goddess, I actually go to Oliver Stone's film, you know, Midnight Express, you know, and with this scene when he's in jail, you know, Mm. it's horrible jail, you know, and they rape him and stuff. And, you know, everybody, they can go outside for like five minutes and walk in a circle and everybody's so completely given up and walks in circle. And then he has a moment like actually just after his girlfriend visited him. Right. And he just saw the light, saw some chance that maybe something can be different. And he walks because all he can do is walk, but he starts to walk in the opposite direction. Yes. And this is like the yes, you yes. know, like now, no, that's, that's all it, it takes. That's it. That's, this is all you have to do. That's you all know? it is. And for you me, don't think uh, yeah. One of the things that it, one of the ways that that manifested itself was, it's we kind of mentioned it already, but it, this idea of like instead of instead of focusing on. um all the ways in which I was unfortunate or like I call it, you know, it's self-pity um, yeah. was to start experiencing gratitude mm. um, and not in the gratitude in the way that's like, Oh, you know, you should just like, you should just be grateful for what you have. Cause it could be so much worse. Not that it's just the perspective of like, Oh my God, how amazing this is. I mean, it's the same thing to me as remembering who I am, how amazing this experience is how amazing this world is like what we get to do here is unbelievable yes yes so just imagine like even if you're at at the bottom you know like you know and we all get there right we have terrible dark moments and it's part of, of of our humanity and if you can see actually beauty in your suffering occasionally you know that it's already saving grace you're already on the way out and imagine the gift you know like of actually the privilege of being here, although it feels sometimes yeah. like you know one bloody thing after another. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes and, I'm and, like, "Fuck that!" <laughs> I know, but sometimes you feel like exactly like, "Oh God, you know, thank you." Right. <laughs> but but when in a moment when you can recognize it and and that you and remember, even especially in dark moments, you have the infinite potential. Mm. Even in this darkest moment, you have the infinite potential, you know, you in any moment, just through the act of uh, courage or just a thought, you know, you can walk like a goddess and God on earth, you know, yeah. so start walking this way, you know, and nobody says that gods and goddesses don't have adventures that take them into their places, right? Right. Sophia is a great example of that. Uh, she had to go to yeah. the darkest darkness. She had to go to where she was totally separated from the Pleroma completely. Um, absolutely absolutely so sophia and look and now she and we are ultimately sophia's right because we are there and we are here because this is how she decided to be then here and yeah. this is what we are and even you know christian theologian says you you are in this world but not of this world that's very interesting you know yeah so like we are not of this world but we are in this world so up so you know do what you can you know hopefully we can leave a good trail you know uh in this world, even if we are not from here, you know, maybe 
some tiny contribution, some act of kindness or some act of beauty, you know, and it all counts, you know, and, and then you, you are, you know, then you are a great being to someone else, not to be worshipped, but as an example, you know, like how to act. Right. So, so, so exactly. So that's the way. And I think remembering that we are not of this world, but in this world and just enjoy the trip basically as much as you can. And all its adventures, you know, and, and remember that, you know, you are divine consciousness. Ultimately you are the divine consciousness. Excellent. Yeah. Cause I'm always kind of, um, I think that we're always channeling something like, and it's just a matter of what am I going to be, what am I going to like, what's going to come to the world through me? Mm. Mm. You know, like, is it going to be more bullshit or is it going to be, like, mm. I don't know. Um, yeah. And we all do the best we can, you know? Right. Yeah. Like I'm not always. <laughs> yeah. Like we all have, you know, really bad moments, you know, and, 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 and then we have moments when you completely channel, you know, like people say, Oh, I loved your energy, you know, but it's not like you're always in that energy. Right. Like, right. And, and that's okay. But the more you experiences you have being in this beautiful energy yourself, the more you are yourself actually there, you know, it's like right. practice, like learning, you playing the piano or something. The more you are in it, the more you are in it, so to speak, right? Yeah, Next time practices. you play longer. So it's, it's kind of practice being on this energetic level. And, 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 and that's, uh, you know, absolute adventure, you know, because some creatures are very beautiful and then, you know, they have very few choices. Look at animals, right? For example, I'm very compassionate to the natural world because they seem to be caught in this endless cycles, right? But uh, we are not. It's really up to us. So it's really up to you. So that's why at the end of the other goddess, I say, make a turn, make a turn now. And the most important thing is that you don't even have to know where you're going. Just go in a different direction. Yeah, you know, just do something different. Yeah, but it's infinite possibilities. So I don't really like particularly uh, identify goal setting and I'll be there by next year. It's just kind of egoistic, you know, and okay, if it works yeah. for you, yeah, but it's probably just on a lower level. But, you know, walk in a different direction and, and see where it takes you, you know, and, and then it will open another door, another door, another door, you know, and, and, and just keep walking. Yeah. Keep walking is good. I really like that. Um, Going a different direction. Uh, I like to, uh, you know, and I, I'm glad that you mentioned that. I'm not a big goal setter either. I'm on the 24 hour plan. Um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, I thought there that, are plenty yeah. things I can do today that will lead towards these sort of things, but that's really not my business, you know? Yeah. Um, I, um, I like to look for a new experience. I'd like to have a new experience, you know, and that kind of leaves it open so that i'm not um like controlling my outcome you know what i mean mm, mm. so that's very good actually because you basically it's in a way being present and being present is basically teaching touching you know eternity right because the eternal moment is in the moment you know eternity is right. in the moment it's not in focusing on the future you know like setting goals and so on so uh and i think that if if you really want to experience something else this is for your listeners, you know, when you just say, you know, I, I, I am ready, you know, I'm open, but then be ready because what you read, you think you may be ready and you think like I'm ready this and you think maybe I'll be famous or something, right? But it can be something completely different, you know, so it, it will take you where you need to go. 
right? But then you have to be sincere in your openness and in your prayer, you know, and do it like, you know, what most people do before, you know, they did it into kneeling and stuff like that, you know? I, I invite a new experience that takes me where I need to go, you know, on, on my journey and to leave some contribution and grow as a divine being. And, you know, and, and then that's it. This is all you need to do, right? And and when it comes to you and will knock at your door, then, then you know, be ready to go because if you don't go you you are where you are and it's your choice you know but but then yes uh, don't complain <laughs> nothing changes <laughs> right so right yeah. yeah yeah there was a, a meditation that you mentioned in your book oh i might get this wrong of what goddess you picture over the top of your head Sundari. Uh, so i think this is on uh, this is actually a hindu meditation you know so you're invoking certain energies right so and that's why mantras are basically invoking certain energies so if you just sit you know calmly cross-legged or you know on a chair you know so you're comfortable and what you see you you want to invoke certain energy and they have like the seed of uh, a word seed so for example for goddess sundari is hrim you know, so if you keep repeating hrim, you know, so it's a very powerful energy, hrim. And, you know, imagine, you know, this light, you know, coming through your head and you know, going through your body, you know. So this is the kind of simplified version, right, of this. And, 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 you know, and re- repeating the any form of mantra, but this one for Sundari is hrim, you know, hrim, because this is a seed. So it's like a seed of a particular universe that you're invoking into yourself, you know, empowering yourself, but it's extremely centering, you know, it's centering. Some meditations are very uh, technical, you know, like three fingers above your six fingers above your head, you can imagine this and and you you can go through this, you know, but I think that just sitting quietly and invoking certain energies is actually that. And this is what mantras are, which is a little bit like rosary, except that you call upon higher energies of a particular type to assist you. You know, so you can embody them. And that's very powerful because you, you gather the energies, you know, that are present for you, but they are just in chaos around you, right? But you call them by their name and they, and, and you invoke them in this, in this way, right? So, so it is, it is a very powerful practice. Yes. But as I said, you need to be ready, you know, so don't be like, oh, I'm a little bit bored. Although it could be, you know, but then be ready. Some people are, you know, like that, you know. Uh, be, be ready for this experience, but do not necessarily say what experience, but you're ready for the experience that you, your, your existence is ready. Your beingness is ready. This Although is a, is, uh, go ahead, go ahead. But it, it could be also, I'm ready for the experience of love, but then it can come to you, you know, you think like somebody will send you red roses, but not necessarily, you know, maybe you have to give love now, you know, so you get right. it in the way you, you, you need to get it at the moment, right? Yeah, I was just going to say, um, this is a fuck around, find out podcast. So yes. uh, <laughs> we're, we're all about the ethos of uh, FAFO, you know, <laughs> um, I, do- I dove into a lot of things that I wasn't really prepared for. And um, I can't, you know, I, I obviously can't tell anyone to do that uh, because mm-hmm. like there was a lot of things that I did that also like led to immense suffering for like myself and others but at the same time i wouldn't be here if i hadn't done that and so um yeah i would say yeah err on the side of like err on the side of um trying something new you know 
That's just That's how right. I think. That's right, and you know, and 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 you can say some boundaries, and you know, and 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 you know, but maybe to bring up the best in me, you know, you can add to this. Oh you yeah, know, for my highest good know. is a good one. Yeah, but that's right. For the highest good is a good one, and and for example, yesterday, no, two days ago I had a birthday. But yesterday we celebrated because on my birthday I had happy to birthday. Everything. Thank you. And my husband and I went, you know, on a kind of day trip which we loved with our dog, and you know, it was such a beautiful day. It was truly blissful day. And this morning when I woke up, I said, you know, every experience that led to this beautiful day, I'm grateful for. And some of the more dark experiences, trust me. But sometimes you have to go through certain darkness to understand certain things, you know. So uh, let's not judge it, you know, and let's not judge ourselves, you know, like uh, I think forgiveness should include us uh, as well, right? And if you have a good moment, like I had a totally blissful day yesterday, you know, I could actually feel gratitude for everything mm. that I did or happened to me in life, you know, because and, and here you are, you know, and this is here you are, you know, this podcast and sharing, you know, important things with other people, your own experiences and giving, you know, sharing these experiences with other people who probably need to hear this. And, you know, you wouldn't be here if you were born an angel, right? Because, you know, yeah. Right. Yeah. But what would you know if you were born as an angel? What could you share? You know, it would be un uh, basically unachievable for most people. So I think we actually are where we are in our lives, exactly where we need to be. And what we have to drop is judgment, self-judgment also, and, you know, and, and trust the process. And that's actually extremely challenging and extremely courageous spiritually. Well put. Uh, yeah, I think that's true awareness too. Um, like it leads to moments like that. Like if I'm truly aware and I'm truly remembering, um, then that is going to be the outcome. Like I think a lot of the time people are, and I, I can only say this because I think I felt this way. Like I didn't want to be aware. <laughs> yeah, of course. You know what I mean? I didn't want it because I was afraid that the truth was going to be something I didn't like. Yeah. Um, but what I do find is that when I'm experiencing true awareness, like it all clicks, it all, I can be, yes. it doesn't and, really and, matter what my externals are. Like if I'm aware, I am at peace with it. Absolutely. You're at peace with this. And then, you know, what's within it's without and vice versa, it's above, so below and vice versa. So, you know, if you, something shifts, truly shifts within us, then the reality shifts as well. You know, yeah. so the reality is actually not external, you know, so we think it's external, but it isn't. So, so, uh, so that's the beauty of this. And I think the only problem with the film Matrix is, which, by the way, again, I liked only the first one. I didn't like the others, which I think was yeah. highly commercialized. You know, it is that, yes, you get the pill and you see it, but this is only the first step. You know, there should be another one about taking another. And then what is actually outside of simulation you know and then you realize that it's you know it's just a divine game and you're actually the major player you know and you're actually the designer you know but you don't know that you're designer so so it's actually in many ways absolutely beautiful it's sometimes in a very painful way and i think this is the best way we can describe our existence in spiritual terms yeah i like it yeah and in the matrix sequels it just turned out that what was happening outside of the simulation was just like a weird rave 
in a cave. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you think like, well, you know, like, yeah, I think so. The original idea was good, but I think they stopped too early in my well, opinion. Well, there's something about they just sequels. Made it to party. Yeah. Yeah. There's and something they, about sequels, right? They're kind of yeah. like, it's hard to do them well. Yeah, yeah. Um, like I, I don't. There are very few sequels that I like, and I didn't like any of the sequels of Matrix. And I, I liked only the first Star Wars, you know, the original, like hundred years ago. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And the rest, you know, not really. You know, I thought it just just became like a commercial enterprise. Yeah. Well, yeah, that usually happens, right? It usually gets. Um, it's just like extractive, and like mm. there was like what? How many Jaws movies? Mm. You know, and at that point, it's just like selling tickets and just like yeah, that's using the this. name which yeah. is kind of an interesting I think an argument could probably be made that that is similar to what happened to Christianity <laughs> yeah and like you the, know, sequels, the, the sequels suck <laughs> the sequels suck exactly actually uh, it was never given a chance let's put it this way it's not even the sequel it just uh, they got all of this rich material and they said ah oh, too complicated and you know this 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 let's like make it for like dumbest person in the world can understand it you know or, or yeah. even worse even worse like make sure that we don't get the good stuff right right or well, yeah, even that's... worse we don't understand the good stuff, so let's go to this, you know, stuff that uh, nobody will be offended by. It's right? Clear. So I think that Christianity, in a sense, uh, didn't ever have a chance because it was shown in a way that, you know, makes no sense. I'm sorry. Like, I really tried. Like, I couldn't try harder. And I have lots of people who have shows like yours and so on, you know, who gave it like a proper chance. And it just uh, doesn't work, not because there's something wrong with Jesus or there's nothing, there's something wrong with Mary Magdalene or anybody or the whole story. It is just how the story was told is ridiculous. You know, it's, yeah. it just doesn't make sense. And I actually quite enjoy esoteric Christianity, but like it's mm. not even accepted as a part of Christianity almost. So that's mm. why I kind of, it doesn't even, they're not yeah, even. Yeah, you don't count it as a Christianity because, yeah, yeah. like, yeah, yeah, I, I, I totally understand. Yeah. So, um, so this is what happened, I think, like a lowest level of consciousness took over, you know. As often happens. I think there was something else that you had mentioned, maybe you wanted to talk about um, the symbolism. Did you, was that something that you wanted to go into or was I mishearing you when you said? Um, I think we we kind of discussed when I started to bit. talk about Nimna, about Goddess Nimna, you know, and the, the tree of oh, okay. life is actually the Axus Mundi, which is the prom process of transition you know, it could be called between death and life, but it's really between dimensions. And then other goddesses such as Inanna or Ishtar or Hath, uh, or Isis and Mary Magdalene were somehow necessary elements, you know, for this process of ascension to happen, so to speak, which I think is basically moving into like a subtle, more subtle dimension. So what I'm saying, so we are coming back to like the you know, what we're this essence of what we're discussing, but you know, the masculine and the feminine really has to cooperate cooperate together because even these great figures, you know, whether it's Osiris or Jesus or or you know, they, they, they needed that feminine aspect, you know, to this, right? To to be to and they we needed each other basically, right? Right, yeah, yeah, totally. So, 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 uh, so, and, and that there is absolutely something, you know, that we still are yet to discover with this image of Mary Magdalene, you know, uh, handing over higher consciousness to humanity, which is as old as goddess Nimna doing the same thing, except that it's Mar 
more elaborate, you know, we've got a snimna and maybe less uh, perverted, you know, in the way it was being told. But there is something there, and you know, and it's a challenge for both of us, you know, for for both women and men, you know, to to, to explore this because I think that actually in this unity, you know, in this uh, empowering both the masculine and the feminine, you know, where where everything lies, you know, but the uh, the separation ends, you know, and whatever means we spoke about sexual and other means, but it doesn't have to be sexual, right? It can be anything. That you know, uh, kind of um, make sure that this polarity is being resolved and used, you know, in a kind of magnetic way for our own evolution, spiritual evolution. Yeah, it's out of balance. Yes, right it is completely out of balance, and 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 even when it we find balance, it is like in traditional terms, you know, both parties agreed. I, I I'm a provider, you're a mother. It is also on, on only on a particular level, and it 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 it's, it it also has to evolve. People have to have other options, you know, and that's why lots of young people check out, you know, because they don't like yeah. these options and they don't have other archetypes, you know, to follow. So we we can be together in so many ways, right? And 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 the whole thing is actually to for to focus on your evolution you know and an evolution of your partner you know and that may sometimes mean parting you know which is yeah. sad yeah so but but i think this is what, what we are here to do you know, to awake while in this body basically and yeah. and and you know and celebrate it you know not getting too attached to some things which are you know human to attach to you know but Focus on this, you know, focus on things that are normally considered in this world ephemeral, you know, and because this is actually right. the visualize. Yeah, things that are considered unimportant or like those are That's just right. like leisure pursuits yeah. or. Yeah. 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 Or, you know, or like career goals, you know, that look, I'm an academic and, you know, if you don't publish, like my book is a well researched, but it's, you know, also experience based and it's a really non academic book because it was supposed to be a you know, uh, approachable for everybody. So if I, I didn't tell anybody at my work that I even wrote this book and just somebody said, so what did you do? And I said, oh, I'm writing. And we said, oh, how cute, you know, because it is spiritual. So how, it, yeah. yeah. So it, it was, uh, she meant it nicely, but it was a complete put down, right? Yeah, totally. Because I would take that. It's a completely <laughs> different, you know, level uh, value system. And then I, why would I tr- let it trigger me? You know, we are, like she's there, I'm here. Sure, cute. I'll go with cute, you know. <laughs> yeah, sure, great. Like, yeah. <laughs> uh, thank you. <laughs> right, because there's such a narrow definition. What is important, right? Like, yeah. In business, it's money. In academia, is you know like prestigious publications, but within a very limited field, you kind of very limited. Yeah. yeah, even uh, you know, I was a creative writing major, mm. and we oh, can well. like. We weren't able to write Stephen Churton's genres were off limits, you know, like yeah. no sci-fi, no fantasy, yeah. no, basically nothing considered genre. Um, it's just, just literary writing, which is really uh, experimenting with form, you know? Right. So, and like I, when you say it like that, it actually makes it make sense. <laughs> it's kind of because, you know, I'm exactly where you're coming from because I, 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 you know, was a literary writer even before I became academic and so on. And now then I thought like eventually all things come together. 
Like, for example, for me, so all of this experimentation that I did with, you know, voice and stuff, because you have to do it, it's kind of extremely technical. And then, then I could write this book in a way that it is written, that, you know, it's easy to read, I hope, you know, and, and maybe there is some beauty in it because I had the skill. But what I think what they do there, they, they just focus on the skill only. So they, yeah. you know, it is like perfect form, but there is no meaning in it, right? Yeah, the substance the same in academia, there. you have all the references, which is good because you honor other people who did work before you. But, you know, you can write about certain things. If you write about Egypt, you have to start, you know, stick to the story. It's only that many years old, you know. Oh, and yeah. Right, and right. So, so, that's a so big one. Yeah, that's a big one. And this is where academics are completely wrong. You know, so, but this is how they limit themselves. And, but, you know, just to tell you, you are under such pressure, you know, to produce and you have to produce one way that, you know, uh, most people just give into this pressure and most people actually believe it, you know, so that's okay. So they are um, here. Hmm? Yeah. Well, um, your book is very enjoyable and it is, I find it to be quite poetic. I really enjoy it. Um, so before I let you go, is there anything that you want to like, tell the listeners about in terms of like promoting anything or anything you've got coming up oh. or anything they can check out? Oh, okay. Well, thank you. Of you. That's very nice of you to ask. So first of all, I, I mean, I hope I'm not too self-promotional, but you know, um, that book is my soul and my body, the other goddess, right? So if you want to know something, it is on, you know, on Amazon and it's a nice way of connecting with me. I also have a public page on Facebook, which is what you see here, Dr. Joanna Kuyava. And I also just started quite recently, maybe two, three months ago on Instagram and I have a small YouTube channel. So, you know, anyway, it works for you. You know, we can connect and I really love connecting with people because I, I, I want to have these conversations. And, you know, and also, you know, give yourself a chance. <laughs> Don't listen to the noise of the, of the world. You know, it's some kind of brainwashing. You know, I know we all watch Netflix, but boy, is it terrible BS. You know, it just <laughs> screws you up in every possible way. Occasionally you have some show, you know, that it was worth it. But I think there is a effort of lower consciousness to demean your consciousness you know and you are really a divine being and you know you have to take charge of your consciousness and make sure that you know what you're putting there you know because otherwise you know you're limitless we all limitless so i think maybe i'd like to finish with that i love that thank you that's your positivity is is inspiring as well and uh, i really appreciate you coming on and talking to me thank you so much i really enjoyed that conversation and i really mean it even though I realized that I butchered your name completely in the beginning of the episode. <laughs> Everybody does it. So I don't even like... Kuyava. Yeah, Kuyava. Like, because Good. it is, you know, it's, it's, yeah, it's different language spells differently. Like, I'm so used to it. I'm not even... I, you know, I have Polish ancestors that are shaking their heads just like... <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming on and talking to me again. I had a great thank time you. talking to you. Me too. Thank you so much. Do you experience weird shit? Do your parents not like to tell their friends about what you do in the woods? Do you make more friends in a graveyard than you do at a party populated by living humans? Do you have interactions with beings that are not strictly considered human? Do other people look at you like you're crazy when you mention talking to trees in casual conversation? If you fist pump or even just answered yes to any of these questions, you may be a nightbird. So let's sing together. If you'd like to come on the show and flap your gums with me, share your stories, 
or just talk about the malleable nature of reality for a while, then send me an email at tim at nightbirdpodcast.com. That's tim at nightbirdpodcast.com. I'd love to have you on the show. But until then, I gotta fly. But before I go, let me say this. Remember, you are never alone. I believe you.